Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 262. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. A welcome to The Pre-Med Years. As I said in the beginning, my name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I am... Proud to be your host here every week. I'm privileged, is a better word, to be your host here every week. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast either every week or when you pick and choose, or if this is your first time listening. Thank you for being here. I have one favor to ask. If this is your first time listening and you find value in it, share it with a friend. If you've been listening for a while and you haven't shared it with a friend, shame on you. Go share it with a friend. Uh, That's all I ask for you. Otherwise, come, enjoy, relax, and learn. Today, I have an awesome guest, a physician who started a Twitter account, Life of a Med Student, to kind of help students figure out what's going on out there in the world of medical school and have a place for students to gather and to commiserate and to share stories. And the Twitter account has taken on a life of its own, and now it's grown into a successful website as well. Dr. Charles Cochran shares his story with us on today's podcast, starting with his passion for medicine and then why he started Life of a Med Student and what you as a pre-med student can learn from it, what you can get out of Life of a Med Student. So let's go ahead and jump in and say hi to Charles. Charles, welcome to the pre-med year. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate being here. When did you know you wanted to be a doctor? Uh, well, my dad was a kind of a small town chiropractor. And so I got an avenue into medicine through that and really liked interacting with people. And um, he always pushed me to go to either DO school or uh, medical school just to have a little more expanded uh, license. And so I, I've actually always planned on being a physician. I never really had a different career that I thought about. Um, 
I always felt it was a good fit for me. I wanted to, you know, the classic help people. But for me, it was mostly I liked working with people. And medicine was a great way to mix uh, kind of a science that I enjoyed and and get some get some time with 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 people in my day to day work. And that's kind of how it started. And so I went through a track where basically from from day one, I always thought I'll grow up and be a, be a physician. Did you ever test that hypothesis or, or try to try to challenge that hypothesis by looking into other things? Um, not really. Um, when I was in high school, um, I applied in college to a rural health program that was uh, designed to get you into medical school um, from I'm from a small town. So from small town areas. And so from day one of college, I was on a pre-med track. Um, and in high school, I did some shadowing and, and always really enjoyed it. Um, and so, you know, I really never thought about many other career options. Um, as a pre-med, my degree was in chemistry. And so I often thought, well, if for some reason med school didn't work out, um, I would get into pharmaceuticals of some sort, uh, maybe even pharmaceutical sales because I had a little bit of interest in business, but I never never really pursued it because I was able to kind of just keep going along the track, uh, which I always wanted was to be a physician. Not not the pharmaceutical pharmaceuticals like Breaking Bad, cooking meth, but yes, the actual exactly legitimate, <laughs> the actual legitimate, you know, uh, pharmaceutical sales. I thought <laughs> at the time it was really um, popular to be a you know a pharmaceutical sales rep. Yeah. It, it's kind of went away now, but you know, eight years ago that was a you know a very nice paying job, and, oh, yeah. and you know. Uh, Some would say better than being a doctor. Yeah. I mean, at the time, it was a very lucrative position. I figured, well, if I don't end up a doctor, I'd be able to use some science, some avenue of medicine. And, you know, I get interact with people, you know, pretty regularly as well. Yeah, that was kind of my backup backup plan. But I never really never really did much down that road. When you were going through the process in your undergrad, were there times where you were like, oh, wait, this is harder than I thought, or maybe I do want to go into the pharmacy uh, world? Uh, you know, I never really thought, oh, maybe I should should quit. Um, but I had a lot of times where, man, this is this is hard. I mean, being a pre-med is hard. Being in medical school is hard. Uh, and so you have days where you're like, oh, I hope, you know, I hope I'm doing this. I, I hope it's going to work out. Um, I took the MCAT twice. I talk about that on on my on my website a little bit and retaking that, well, you know, the first time I, I did okay, but not really good enough to, to for sure get me into medical school. And so, you know, you agonize about whether or not you should take it again. And, and if you do take it again, what are you going to do differently to make sure you, you don't do the same or worse? Um, so you, you have days like that as a pre-med. I think everybody does. I think that's part of the normal process um, because it's hard. It is. What was it about the MCAT that, you struggled with? Um, the first time I did not, I, I just tried to show up and take it. I would say it would, <laughs> would, it would be a fair assessment. Um, you know, I, it's, it's fair, but it's not uncommon, Charles. It's, it's amazing uncommon. how many students uh, think it's just, oh, it's just another test. I'm just going to show up and take it. Um, you know, I mean, I studied quote unquote um, for a summer, you know, but I really didn't study. And I, I, <laughs> I laugh, you know, I, I would think about, well, how much did I actually study this week? You know, and it's like, yeah, I studied two hours on Monday and now it's Friday and I've been up at our lake house the rest of the time, you know, <laughs> I mean, so, uh, you know, and I think, you know, uh, I was, I did well in undergrad and, and well enough that, you know, I thought, oh, I'll do fine on this. Yep. I'll show up, you know, or I didn't have that burning desire to, to really study that you, you need. 
Um, and so the first time I just had just kind of poor guidance, poor individual responsibility. And then when I went to take the second time, I, you know, luckily I knew, hey, you got to get your, your butt in gear, you know, if you want this to happen. And I did, you know, that next summer I spent spent time studying each day and doing another thing I did differently, a lot more practice tests. Yeah. Um, a lot more practice tests, a lot more practice questions. Um, and that then I got I was happier with the result. That first time you went into it, you talked about some poor advising. At at that point, did you understand the relationship of the MCAT and admissions into medical school? Um, it, from that standpoint, I did, just because uh, as part of the pre-med program I was at at Indiana State, it was the rural health program, um, and they had partnered with IU that if you got the average for their matriculating, matriculating class the year before, you were pretty much guaranteed in. You had to do a bunch. You basically had to do everything the program wanted, jump through all the hoops they wanted, and score the average on the MCAT. And you're basically guaranteed admission. Um, and so I had this number, and I think at the time it was 30 was the average. Um, and so I knew if I got a 30 or better, you know, I, you know, I didn't really have to apply to any other medical schools. I didn't really have to worry about it. Um, and still, even that, you know, the first time you just you think, oh, it'll be fine. Yeah. I'll just show up and get it. And I think I, I, you know, this was the old MCAT scoring system. I think I scored like a 27. Yeah, that's what which, I got. You know, yeah, I mean, it, it's good enough to get you probably into medical school, but, you know, it wasn't by any means going to be a slam dunk. Yep. Um, and I was disappointed in myself for, you know, basically taking what could be a guaranteed thing, which is one of the most stressful times of your life is trying to get into medical school. And, and I didn't achieve it. And so... You know, it was it was important to me to go back and get that score, um, and, and luckily I was able to the second time. So you didn't you didn't miss any window to to lose that automatic acceptance. They were able no. to accept your second score. Yeah, so they were fine. They didn't care if you took it twice. Um, they just wanted to see the number, you know, on the piece of paper, and then um, you know, and you had to you know do all the the research that was required for the program, shadowing that was required of the program, and have a, a minimum GPA of I think it was. 3.5. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, those were, you know, all pretty easy. You just had to do them. Um, but the MCAT was the one that, you know, uh, in the past people had had trouble with. Um, and again, you know, I mean, it's so hard to get a guaranteed admittance into medical school that yeah. you know, I felt like it was important for me to, to make that happen. And I was, you know, very relieved when I did. Do you know if that program is still around? Yes, it is. It's still, still what's there it, at Indiana State. It's what's called it called? The Rural Health Program. Yeah. They take um, people from uh, small rural, you know, designated areas in Indiana. And if you go through that program, the design is that comes with a scholarship, do everything they ask of you, get the MCAT score, get the GPA. And then, um, you'll pretty much guaranteed admittance, admittance into IU medical school. Wow. And, um, there's no catches. There's no requirements that you become a primary care doctor or anything. Although that's certainly, um, their stated goal is they're mm -hmm. trying to take rural playful and, and and then hopefully they go back to rural areas. Now I'm a uh, practicing anesthesiologist now, so I, I didn't end up going into primary care, but I am at, in this programs at Indiana State and Terre Haute. That's where I practice now. So in in some ways they got their money's worth with me because I'm back practicing in a, a rural area. I live in a rural area um, and serve many many people from from rural areas. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So. When you got that 30, 
and and you go, all right, I got my acceptance. Do, do you just put your feet up or? Uh, I mean, and that's why I worked so hard to, to get it is you basically could. I mean, they still formally interview you. You still formally apply. Okay. Um, but they never, the program I think was, you know, six or seven years old at that time, um, eight years ago. Um, and they never denied anybody who had done everything the program asked. Wow. Um, and it was, you know, I mean, it's not like you sign a contract or anything, but they, you know. It was on paper that you you were guaranteed, uh, you know, acceptance if you did everything. So it was nice. You know, I mean, I remember getting um, my letter of acceptance from IU in the mail. And I'm, I mean, that was nice, but I wasn't nearly as excited that day as I was the day I got the MCAT score because that was the big <laughs> moment that I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a nice program. If any anybody's interested in rural health that, that listens, it's yeah. a very nice program. That's awesome. What was the hardest thing about being a pre-med other than taking that MCAT? Um, I think making sure that I checked all of the boxes of things medical schools are, are uh, interested in seeing. And again, because I had that program, some of it was kind of lined up for me. But, you know, you, you need to get a little research experience. You got to get shadowing. And at the same time, you got to get good grades. You got to, you know, succeed on the MCAT and trying to piece all that together and still enjoy college for the four years you're there. I mean, that was challenging. Yeah. And I think um, trying to make sure you, you basically did it all was the hardest part. Um, and for me, I, I really enjoyed college and wanted to make sure that I could always look back and, and say, yeah, I also enjoyed my four years. It wasn't just trying to get into medical school. And so I think that balancing act can be kind of difficult to pull off. Where yeah. You know, I didn't want to look back and regret that oh, I never had any fun in college either, you know. So I think the balancing act was the hardest part um, yeah. to, to put it all together. It's, it's funny you mentioned the checkboxes because I always, I always talk about how there are no checkboxes, but there are things you have to do. Right? There, are things you have to do. <laughs> there are things you have to do, but it's not, they're not checkboxes. They're not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's well, funny. Uh, they, I agree. They are checkboxes, but they're not checkboxes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't have to do them all, but you need to do most of them, I would say. Yeah. In some shape or form. And know? it's and, and- it's funny because they're they're not like they're not things it, the way that I always try to put it is they're not things you have to do to get into medical school. They're <laughs> things you have to do to prove to yourself that you want to be a physician. Yeah. That's that's very true. Right? Um, and and, and think, that's the big barrier. And I think even research being a component of that, trying to figure out if, if you want to do an MD, PhD, yeah. or if you're interested more in the research side of medicine. Yep. I was able to quickly found out that I, I, I was not. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> and that I, I hated doing research. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I still think that's important. I spent a summer doing it. Um, and, you know, I don't regret doing that a bit because I knew then on that, no, I needed to be around people. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you don't have to do research, but you should just to see if you like you it. Sh- yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah. When you made that transition into medical school, at what point did you make that decision? Like, I want to be an anesthesiologist. Um, I started off thinking I would go into family medicine. Um, again, my, you know, my dad was a small town chiropractor. I like small town rural medicine. I like being around people. I like seeing people on a day-to-day basis. And so for my first two years of medical school, that was the path I was on. Between first and second year, I did a rural shadowing program basically for the summer where I I went to different rural hospitals and shadowed different primary care doctors and got a great experience with that. Um, But then 
I also kind of thought pain management was interesting. And so, you know, again, um, my dad being a chiropractor refers a lot of people to pain management and thought, you know, you do interventions, you get to talk to people. Uh, maybe that would be cool. And so then I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, anesthesia is a really good avenue to go through for that. There are other ways you can go through neurology, uh, PM&R, uh, but I thought anesthesia was the most interesting. And so thinking I might go through that, I, I did it, you know, I started being in the operating room, being around anesthesia, and man, I just fell in love with it. It just felt like it's so much more high paced, so much more technical skill. Um, and what I lost in patient, you know, long-term contact, I got with being able to use um, kind of patient skills to make really good first impressions. Because usually, you know, you, the patient doesn't really know their anesthesiologist until that day. Mm. And I thought that was really cool. Like, I can get people to trust me in a short amount of time. I use my people skills for that. And it's it's interesting. And then just the day-to-day workflow, I just seemed like I enjoyed it more. It just seemed like the day went faster. Um, and so then by second year, it was pretty much all anesthesia. And then once I really got into it, I couldn't even think to go back and do pain management because that would be back going back into clinic life for, for a lot of it. And I just really loved being in the OR. And... And that's pretty much how I, I transitioned. Yeah. It just was too much fun for me. I just really liked it. Um, and I still do. Uh, it's probably one of the best decisions I ever made. That's awesome. From the difference between being a pre-med and being a medical student, how would you describe that? Oh, it's, it's interesting. Um, being a medical student is harder, but you don't know it when you're a pre-med. So you, you don't really understand that it's going to get harder you don't fear Um, it yet you don't fear it yeah and at least i didn't yeah um and i would say that with being a pre-med you know like we were joking checking the boxes there's a lot of different things you got to keep track of to make sure you have a good application after four years with being a medical student i think it's just keeping track that you're studying consistently every day um, and you basically now have dedicated, you know, your time to where you're just being a medical student. You're not being, uh, you know, you're not shadowing sometimes for the first two years. You're, I mean, you're just showing up being a medical student. And I think that's the biggest difference is, is once you're a medical student, it's pretty much that's what you're doing for the next four years. Um, where being a pre-med, there's still a lot of other stuff you're interested in. There's a lot of other stuff you're doing. Um, you're kind of just getting the college experience as well. Once you're a med student, I mean, to succeed, most of us have to really I mean, that's all you do. There's not a lot of other, you know, I didn't have any other jobs during medical school. I didn't really do much else outside of, of that, um, except for, you know, my own hobbies occasionally. Um, so I just think medical school just takes that pre-med workload and makes it much more focused. Yeah. Um, it, you know, and so this is, this is what you're dedicated yourself for for four years. If you would change anything about your pre-med journey, what would it be? You know, I, I've... I would have tried to do better on the MCAT the first time. Uh, I, I still kind of get disappointed about that. But otherwise, I was really happy with, with my experience as a pre-med through, um, through that program and what it allowed me to do. Um, you know, again, being a small town Indiana boy, I never really wanted to see the world, so to speak. Um, so the only other thing that would have been nice during those years, would, if I could have done some studying abroad to kind of expand my you know, kind of point of view at that time, I think Mm -hmm. that would have been interesting. Yeah. Um, But uh, otherwise, I was very, very happy with my experiences at at pre-med. You're the creator of Life of a Med Student, originally a Twitter account and now a blog. Why did you start 
what has now become a very popular um, online presence. Yeah, uh, so it started in December of 2011. So I'm a third year medical student. I, I had always found social media interesting and was, you know, kind of like, what sites are there for medical students at this time? And so at the time, there were a few like humor Twitter accounts. Uh, one was like med student problems. Um, and, you know, they were funny. And I was like, man, I should do something like that. But what I wanted to do different was I wanted it to be interactive. I wanted it to be other med students, you know, helping to promote it and sharing their ideas and humor and, and everything. So when I, when I started this, I wanted a, a hashtag. And the one I came up with at the time was life of a med student. And so through this hashtag, other medical students could find tweets, could share tweets, and then my site would retweet them and promote them so that, you know, a med student in England could share an experience with a med student in the U.S. And then all across the U.S., medical students could share, you know, what they're going through and some of the funny kind of, I call it hilariously sad aspects of medical training, which, you know, we all go through. (laughs) And so at the time... It, it became pretty popular pretty quickly. Um, and a lot of those other sites that were around back when I started kind of died out or stopped tweeting or, or whatever happens to, you know, internet sites once they kind of just stop. <laughs> do you know and what, so, do you know what happens to those? I always find it so funny. You're, you're the rare exception of, yeah. of somebody who starts something as a, as a medical student and, <laughs> and doing this and yeah. then is able to continue it. Most medical yeah. students are like, Oh, I'm going to do this. And then, and then, and then, and then residency hits them. You're yeah. Like, oh shoot. This is even harder yeah. than med school. Yeah, med school. And it is, it, it, it gets better in a lot of ways, but in time ways, I think it gets worse. And so I wanted to keep it going. And, you know, I, I basically just made sure that I at least was t- sending out some retweets and, and tweeting a few times a week, even through residency. Um, although there were times where I probably went weeks without tweeting, um, especially during, you know, early parts of residency, mm-hmm. but I, I basically kept with it. And, uh, you know, I, a lot of those other sites, you know, haven't tweeted for five years or something. And, and so I just kept doing it. I mean, I, I could and, insert an anesthesiologist joke in here about you just yeah. sitting at the head of the, the yeah, operating yeah. table, just tweeting all day long <laughs> in the OR. Yeah, yeah I, that's fair. I, I, I earned that one because <laughs> uh, anesthesia is a, a nice because I do a lot of different cases and there's turnover. And so there is time throughout the day that I can fire off some tweets. Um, so I, I just, but I, I basically made time for it throughout this, you know, eight, you know, six years now it's been. Yeah. And, um, you know, the followers grew and as the followers grew, you know, where it was 20,000 and 30,000 and, you know, now we've got 50 some thousand and, you know, that also kind of motivates you because people enjoy the site and enjoyed sharing. And so I kind of also felt like, um, you know, that I was, obligated to keep what people like going yeah um and so that's how the twitter account stayed active um throughout these years and now we've got an instagram page and a a facebook uh but you know most of it most of the activity is still on twitter there needs to be a a life of a med student dating app uh yeah yeah, (laughs) there, there should be um one of my partners on the website is a dating site for specifically for medical personnel, uh, yep. including nurses and, and you know, firefighters, anybody who kind of understands that the life in medicine is, is a little different than, than being, you know, in business or, or, you know, other fields. Yeah. It, it helps to have that. What do you think <laughs> is the most common 
thing that that students are tweeting about or sending in messages about? What what's their biggest struggle? Oh, I think just the day to day grind of being a medical student. Just that you know, it's years of just studying and studying and studying, and then you know, in the second half, it's just long days trying to learn as much as you can in a hospital, and then coming home and studying and studying. And so I think most of it's just kind of about that, you know, that, that grind that, I mean, it, it does take a toll at times. And, and certainly that's why I call sometimes our lives hilariously sad because, you know, it's funny that the med students across the U.S. and the world all have these kind of shared experiences, you know, of long hours and, and, and daily study, study grinds and trying to, you know, basically do well, um, you know, against what is you know, very, very smart people, um, and trying to constantly, you know, improve. And so you see the struggles of relationships and and lifestyle, you know, that you basically give it up for trying to be the best medical student you can be. And, and people find that, you know, something they want to share with other people to kind of, you know, it's not just me, you know, it's, and it, it never is in medicine. It's never just you. Um, and so I think people like to share that. Yeah. Let's. I, I want to switch gears just for one second because sure. you mentioned the the grind and mm-hmm. uh, the long hours. There's always new data coming out about sleep deprivation and how bad it yeah. is for our health. And I think the younger generation coming up. I, I won't say millennials because millennials get bashed too much. Yeah, um, they get bashed too much. But but I I think there's a bigger focus on both work life balance and. Uh, and health and sleep deprivation is a big part of that. And so that you you have these work hour regulations that have been in the news first enacting them and now potentially removing them and and a lot of uproar. What do you think about the work hour regulations? Are are you for Uh, those against those? So my, my, my spiel on that is, and I have a post about it. Um, I, I think there should be work hour regulations. I think that's important. I don't think anybody should have to work more than 80 hours a week. I, I think that's insane. Um, and, you know, with the new ones, you know, people get all upright whether it should be 16 hours or 24 hours or, or whatever. I'm not as picky about that. I think working 24 hours is fine. And, you know, a lot of other professions work 24 hour shifts. So I don't think we, you know, should, you know, basically try to absolve ourselves from that. But I, I, I don't like that they, put this like four hour period on there that, you know, so if you work 24 hours, but you're doing a four hour handoff, yep. like, it, you know, it shouldn't take four hours to hand off your patients. And I don't like that. I think some programs could abuse that to where, well, four hours in the morning, we actually have twice as many people because we're going to hold over residents. Yep. And one of the things about residency is you, you don't, you basically have to do what you're told 99% of the time. Um, uh, and for residents that don't do that, things can be kind of difficult. Um, and so, you know, residents or residency programs could abuse that particular four hour rule. And I just think it should be, if they're going to want it to be 24 hours, it should be 24 hours. There should be little leeway for handing off patients. And I get some surgical specialties like, uh, you know, the, if you're in a case, you don't want to leave it. I understand that. Um, but it shouldn't be because I want you to go around on the three patients you admitted last night. And that actually is going to take four hours. Uh, I think that's where the line should be drawn. Yeah. And I certainly think 80 hours a week is plenty um, to both, you know, get the experience you need, but uh, any more than that. And I think you just, the work-life balance is important too. And you shouldn't, shouldn't lose that. Yeah. I think a lot of students don't realize 
especially obviously early on pre-meds that are listening to this and maybe even medical students don't realize that you can be fired from your residency. Yeah, you can. It happens every year to residents all over. And usually, you know, it's one of those things that I wouldn't say it's easy to get fired, but, you know, you kind of have to do what they ask and sometimes jump through the hoops that your residency program wants for whatever, whatever they want. And, you know, when when residents don't do that and don't study at the same time and do poorly on exams, you, you can be fired. I mean, it's a job I and mean, you got to show up and do do good at your job, um, do well or, you know, there can be consequences and not to scare a bunch of pre-meds. It's pretty rare that that happens. Yeah. But it does happen every year to, to residency programs. Yeah. All right. Let's switch gears back into life yep. of a med student. Sure. For the pre-med listening to this. The the website is Life of a Med Student, the the Twitter account, Instagram, Life of a Med Student. So what what yeah. can a pre-med expect going to the website, yeah. going to your social media? Well, I think one thing is you're going to learn about what you're getting yourself into. I think that's the broad adventure that going into life in medicine is. You get to see what's it like taking a 24-hour call on surgery. There's a post on that. What about internal medicine? You know, why did I choose anesthesia? I've had a couple excellent guest posts for for why I became a surgeon from a, a Twitter user that followed the site and an excellent post um, to kind of help see, you know, your different future. And then we have posts geared directly towards pre-med. You know, like I mentioned, I took the MCAT again. Why did I take it again? What did I do differently? Um, was it the right decision? You know, I mean, those are things pre-meds gonna, are going to you know, be interested in. Um, tips for shadowing as a pre-med. I have a post on that. Um, and you know, I have a post on what I call the four pillars of a, of a great med school application, kind of hitting some of the things we've talked about with GPA, MCAT, research and shadowing experience. Um, so I do try to tailor some of it directly to pre-meds, um, so that it's advice for them. And then, you know, I have a lot of guest posts from people who are in medicine. Pre-meds can see kind of what, what the future looks like for them. What are they getting into? And then I, you know, I accept guest posts and I'm always happy if pre-meds want to participate and talk about their struggles. You know, I haven't had a lot of posts from pre-meds yet just because it was mostly geared towards medical students to begin with. But I'm always happy to accept posts on, on, from pre-meds, especially the further I get away from being a pre-med, the more I think a new voice would be good to say, what's it like studying for the MCAT now? Um, what's it like being a pre-med now? I'd be happy to have any, any posts from users who want to, want to share that message as well. Yeah. And so I, I try to make the site as interactive as possible so that it's not just about me, who now is a practicing anesthesiologist long, you know, or now out of medical education officially, um, and more about the idea of what it is to be a medical student from pre-med all the way through residency. And that's that's what you'll see on the site. And, and you'll see a lot of different voices that share kind of kind of what what it's like. Today's post that went went live was on when's the best time to have a baby in this experience. Um, you know, <laughs> never. Something, yeah, I yeah, know, right? It's never going to be easy. But is is there a best time? I don't know. I my daughter's one. We had her at the end of of residency, and I thought that was a great time to do it. Yep. Um, That's when we and, had ours. Yeah, and so I think I think it shows that you know a lot of pre meds are, are worried about families in their future. I'm sure. And um, while that might not be on their top list of concerns, you, you find about that time of your life from pre-med to med school, you'll, you'll meet someone. And next thing you know, you have to worry about the whole family. Um, so, I mean, tips for, for everything, really, about kind of how life in medicine works. 
now that you're out practicing, having grown up with what you said, always wanting to be <laughs> in healthcare, being a physician, for the pre-med student listening to this who has been in a similar situation but maybe doubting themselves now, <laughs> what would you say to encourage them to to fight through those MCAT struggles, to fight through the GPA struggles, and, and now that you're out practicing, it, that it's so worth it? Yeah. Um, my biggest struggle was my first semester of medical school. Um, and I never failed, you know, before anything. And I remember failing the first anatomy class. And, and I mean, I got like a 30 out of 100 or something. And I, I literally that day was like, you know, am I done? You know, is this going to be it? And so the first thing I tell them is during this journey, which takes a long time, you will have days where you doubt yourself. Everybody does. First of all, that's normal. Um, and kind of part of the experience and part of getting through that. So never think you're alone. Um, and that's one thing I've been trying to share through the years is medical students all over, pre-medical students all over have these same experience, have these same doubts. So you're not alone. And second is it is worth it. I mean, both from a lifestyle standpoint, now that I'm done, from a financial standpoint, from just a happiness standpoint, I mean, I'm so honored to be able to call myself a doctor and be able to go in and take care of people. And even through those hard days, I couldn't really see myself doing anything else. And if you at the same time where you're having a hard time really can't see yourself doing anything else, I would encourage you to stick with it because if you're on the path, you're smart enough to do it. Um, and if you're smart enough to do it, you can eventually achieve it. And that's just Sometimes part of getting through hard days, difficult struggles, retaking MCATs, um, step one scores is just sticking with it because uh, we need good doctors. We need good people to be doctors. And um, I would encourage if, if you can't see yourself doing anything else, don't give up on it. All right. There you have it again. Dr. Charles Cochran, Life of a Med Student. You can find all of the links on the show notes page for this specific episode, medicalschoolhq.net slash two. Six, two. I hope this was helpful for you. Interesting story. Hopefully a new resource for you to go check out, something to learn and enjoy, and hopefully, hopefully not take up too much of your time pulling you away from studying for the MCAT or for your OCHEM test. Enjoy your week. Check us out next week. Don't forget, every week, subscribe to this podcast in your phone right now. If you're listening to this not in a podcast app on your phone, Android, iOS, whatever it is, they're a podcast app. Go subscribe so that you can get this podcast every week. Nice and easy. Next week, we have a story of an awesome pre-med student who overcame a 2.75 GPA and now is a first-year medical student living the dream and uh, suffering through first year of medical school. So that's next week here on The Pre-Med Years. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.